Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. If you're looking for this morning's passage in the Bible that's there in the pew rack in front of you, you can find this on page 1076. We are focused here at the end of John's Gospel in these weeks surrounding Easter on the resurrection appearances of Jesus. That Jesus, after his death, was raised from the dead and then made himself known to the disciples. We, we've read that he appeared on the night of the resurrection to the disciples in a locked room to offer them peace. He, he appeared again a week later to, to reveal to Thomas the truth of who he is. And then later, as the disciples are back in Galilee, he appeared at the edge of the Sea of Galilee and told them to throw their nets out. They brought in such a huge haul of fish, they see the miracle of Jesus, his presence with them. And here in John 21, Jesus, having shared breakfast around the, the open flame with his disciples of this fire of burning coals, then turns his attention to Peter. And so let's listen to the word of God. This is John 21, verses 15 to 19. John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Let me pray that God would apply his word to our lives. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your ministry directly to Peter, a ministry which now extends to us as we read the Gospel of John. Lord, let us not walk away from, from this hearing of your word, the preaching of your word, the same as when we arrived, but transform us by the power of your grace that we would understand more deeply the love of our Savior. Lord, prepare our hearts to come to the table of the Lord, to celebrate this sacrament, to be reminded of the death of Jesus and to experience his presence and his grace given to us today. Lord, we come asking you to work in our lives by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some questions that stop you right in your tracks. A question so profound, it forces you to reevaluate your motives. I still remember the sting of a question. A question from my mom. 
I was a college senior, and I was given my first opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning. In that classic youth director preaching slot, the Sunday after Christmas. I toiled through the text. I crafted an outline. And boy, I thought I really hit the mark. It was the angelic message of good news, of great joy for all the people. I basked in the glow of the kind responses from the congregation. Thanks for preaching. Oh, it was so good to have you open God's word today. My parents had driven a couple of hours to be there that morning, and and many of you knew my mom. She was a devoted student of the Bible. She loved listening to Sunday morning sermons, and she was a very generous listener. She was confident the Holy Spirit could make meaningful application even from a bad sermon. And her response to my sermon that morning, it came in kindness, but it was a devastating question. Who are you mad at? Who are you mad at? You seem so angry this morning. The scripture text was about grace, but my tone didn't match the text. Instead of offering the joy-filled hope of salvation, I had criticized and cajoled, who are you mad at cut right through me? Yet, because it came with the loving tenderness of my mom, it wasn't a dismissive or an offensive question. It's a question that still lingers in my preaching preparation today, nearly a quarter of a century later. I still hear her ask me, does the grace of God pour forth from this sermon? Or does the preacher's frustration spoil the message? Because sometimes a difficult question is exactly what we need to hear. A hard question asked in love. Peter has just finished a resurrection breakfast with Jesus. He was so excited when he saw Jesus on the shore that he, he leapt from the boat, swam to the shore, only to climb back in the boat and help them pull it in. He's, he's had breakfast soaking wet with Jesus because in his joy, he has experienced the love of Jesus, the Savior. We can imagine the, the tender fellowship around this fire of burning coals. But then Jesus turns his attention directly to Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus questions Peter. And in doing so, he, he, he reveals the heart of Peter. He, he cuts to the core of, of who Peter is. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, grammatically, the question could be drawing a, a few different comparisons. It could be that, that the question is saying, do you love me more than you love these disciples? So, relatively, do you love me, Jesus, more than you love the rest of them? Well, the answer there would be, of course, that's not a hard question. You're Jesus, my Savior, my Rescuer. And so, yes, I love you more. 
It could even be that grammatically, a, a simple question that says, Simon, do you love me more than you love these? Your stuff here, your fishing boat, your nets, your vocation, your hometown. Do you love me more than you love the stuff of this world? Well, yes, Lord. I've left everything behind once in my life to follow after you. Of course I love you more than these. Grammatically, it could mean that. But the context makes clear that Jesus is asking a more penetrating question. He's saying, do you love me more than these disciples love me? He's asking Peter to, to compare himself to the other disciples, which initially seems unfair. I mean, Jesus, uh, I, am, I, am I meant to compare myself and the greatness of my love to, to everyone else around me to sort of put myself in line of, of how much I love you compared to them? Well, I don't think that's a question that Jesus would ask us generally. It's a question he asks specifically of Peter. Because Peter has actually already stood up in this gospel and said, yes, Jesus, my love for you is greater than any other disciple's love for you. I am the best disciple. And so when Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? He's saying, do you still claim that your love is, is your hope that it's the strength of your love, the, the vastness of your love in comparison to the other disciples that will prove your value to me. Because we can think of the way that the Gospels describe Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest, the night in which Jesus gathered his disciples for the Last Supper, when he warns them that, that, that they will all be scattered away from him. None of them will remain faithful to him. And Peter, back in the Gospel of, of Matthew, Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter says, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Even if every one of them, yes, Jesus, this warning is really helpful because you know how fickle the rest of these disciples can be. They probably need this warning from you, Jesus, that they might be scattered and run. But even if they do, I never will. Or in John's gospel, after Jesus has, has washed his disciples' feet, as he predicts the betrayer, Judas, he then warns the rest of the disciples that, that they too are at risk. And in, in John chapter 13, uh, Simon asks in John 13, 36, he asks Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus has been talking about, about that, that he will leave. Where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And then in verse 37 of John 13, this is what Peter says. Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. On the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter stood and said, Jesus, I love you more than these men love you. But tragically, we know what happened next. I just have to read the very next verses after Peter's great proclamations. In the Gospel of Matthew, after Peter says, even if they all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, 
you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Or think of, of what, what happens in John's gospel. In John, back to John 13. When, when, when Peter says, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus answered, John 13, 38, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter, in great bravado, at the arrest of Jesus, pulls a sword and cuts off a, a, a man's ear. Jesus commands him to put the sword away, and Jesus is led away, bound captive. Peter follows, we're told, at a distance. John's gospel explains in John 18 that, that Peter follows Jesus. Peter is there in the, the house of the, the high priest in the courtyard, waiting to see what will happen to Jesus when a servant girl comes in John 18, verse 17, and says to him, you are not one of the disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, no, I am not. We're told that, that again, Peter stood there warming himself by the fire. When another asked him, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. And so Jesus, after the resurrection, turns his attention directly to Peter and asks him, in John 21, verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? In Peter's humility, thankfully, he doesn't give us the answer he gave in Chapter 13, yes, I love you more than they love you. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then verse 17, the third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And we're told there that, that Peter is hurt by the question. Because verse 17, this was the third time that Jesus asked him, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, there's no need for us to try to make a message out of the synonymous uses of the word love here. There are different Greek words that are used. It's, it's just John's way of adding some, some diversity of language to the account, just as he can can switch between sheep and lambs. He can switch between agape and phileo for the words of love. It's just the synonym. He's repeating the question. But the question is repeated three times because Jesus is dealing with the very heart of Peter. There's significance to the repetition. John won't let us miss it. In verse 17, he says, the third time Jesus said to him, and then he explains Peter was hurt because he was asked the third time. You and I are meant to make sure, did you count them? How many times did Jesus ask? Three. 
And of course, everyone who reads the gospel makes the immediate connections. How many times before the rooster crowed did Simon Peter disown Jesus? Jesus is using the repeated question to get to Simon's heart. One commentator says these unexpected repetitions are searching him to the depths of his being. See, Peter, in the days leading up to Jesus' death, saw the determination of his own love for Jesus. That was his hope. Yes, Jesus, I love you more than they love you. I will die for you. Even when they all disown you, I won't. And now, having met the risen Christ, having received peace from Jesus, he's now being forced to look not at his own love for Jesus, but at Jesus' love for him. By repeating the question the third time, Jesus is dealing with Peter's heart. John doesn't want us to miss it. And so here, Jesus questions Peter so that Jesus can, by this threefold repetition, commission Peter for ongoing ministry. See, the horror of Peter's failure may have left him with, to, to question his usefulness for the kingdom of Jesus. Yes, he knows Jesus' personal love. He met with Jesus in the, the locked room. He received the peace which came from Jesus. He was there on the day of resurrection again that following Sunday when, when, when we heard the declaration from Thomas that Jesus is the Lord and God. But now he's back in Galilee. He's a follower of Jesus, but surely Jesus can't use a denier to lead the church. Certainly Peter's failures have disqualified him from ministry. And so Jesus asks him the third time. And for a third time, commissions him to serve. Jesus said in verse 15, feed my lambs. Giving Simon the ministry of shepherding the people of God. In verse 16, he, he repeated it, take care of my sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life, who has called the, his own sheep to himself, his sheep who know his voice. In verse 17, the third time, when, when Simon cries out, Lord, you know all things. Of course you know my heart. See, the, the problem, though, in, in John 21 isn't with Jesus' knowledge. It's with Peter's knowledge. See, Peter knows that Jesus knows all of his failures. The Gospel of Luke says that, that Jesus there in the courtyard looked right at Peter. Jesus predicted that, the, that, that Peter would disown him. Jesus looked at him and saw him disown him. And Peter knows that Jesus knows all of the worst of who he is. But does Peter really know the love of Jesus? So for a third time, Jesus kept asking the question until it hurt. Like the surgeon who is dealing with the, the deepest problem, Jesus won't stop until Peter really knows. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says it a third time, feed my sheep. The good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep now commissions Peter as a shepherd, as a pastor, as one to shepherd the sheep of God. He had been called to be a, a fisherman. And so, so one commentator, F.F. F. Bruce, says to the, 
to the evangelist's hook, the fisherman's hook, is added the pastor's crook, the crooked staff of the shepherd. And when you have captured the people for God, then, then use that staff to protect them, to care for them. Feed the sheep of God. See, there is nothing that you have done that can keep you from Jesus. He stands ready to forgive you today. His grace is greater than all your sin. If you have failed Jesus three times, then he will make clear his grace is sufficient to forgive you for all of your sin. If you have failed him a thousand times, his love is big enough to cover your sin. He'll keep repeating the message until you hear it. Peter, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, you're mine. Take care of these little lambs. Peter, you belong to me. I gave my life for you. Feed my sheep. And maybe today you're here because, well, you've been dragged here by a family member, a friend, coerced to just sit and listen. And maybe you resist hearing this message. I'm going to keep repeating it. Jesus won't stop until you hear him. When he says, I love you, I gave my life for you, you are mine, your sin cannot keep you from me. Yes, there are some sins that would disqualify someone from leading again in God's church, but there is no sin that would keep you from the church, from belonging to God. There is no sin that removes someone from God's kingdom. Yes, there are some betrayals that would destroy trust in the church and for the protection of the sheep would remove someone from leadership, but not here. Peter disowning Jesus, publicly denying him, doesn't destroy his usefulness for ministry. Actually, it's the very tool that God uses to prepare him for ministry. Yes, he's still the, the impetuous and, and rash man who will jump right out of the boat and swim to shore, only to climb back in it when it gets to shore. Would have been easier to just stay in the boat, Peter. But he's no longer the man who stands and says, I love you more than they love you. Because he's been broken. By his own denials, broken. On the very night that he said, when they all fail you, I won't fail you. And then he does it three times, just like Jesus told him. See, but now, welcomed back by Jesus, commissioned for work in the kingdom of God, he, he sees that, that his, his denial of Jesus was rooted in fear. But now, because he's been commissioned by Jesus, he can preach with boldness. Peter's denial was the response of unbelief. This can't be what, what Jesus meant. Death on a cross? No. Until he sees the risen Christ and realizes this was the very thing that Jesus had been telling us all about. This was his reason for coming. Now he believes because he has seen the risen Christ. And maybe you doubt your effectiveness, your usefulness for ministry. Well, let the commissioning of Peter be a reminder. If God can use Peter, he can use you. Maybe you think, but, I, but I, came to, I came to faith in Christ so late in life. There's so little time left. 
How could he possibly use me? He will use you to make the gospel known. I I, I don't mean merely in vocational ministry where you draw a paycheck from, from this kind of job. I mean in your life, among your friends, with your children and grandchildren and your great grandchildren to proclaim the gospel. You can be commissioned if you followed Christ, then you are commissioned to make the gospel known. Or maybe it is your lack of faith that has led you at times, maybe even recently, to deny the Savior. Well, then hear the words he speaks to Simon Peter. Do you love me? Then go and make the gospel known. Jesus questions Peter. He commissions Peter for ongoing ministry. But but notice with me here in verse 18, there's also a caution that's given to Peter. After he says the third time, feed my sheep, verse 18, he continues here in John 21, I tell you the truth. That's the phrase that Jesus uses throughout the gospel to sort of reorient us and get our attention, to kind of grab us by the shoulders, look us right in the eye. I tell you the truth. Because I don't know, I don't know Peter's reaction here. I mean, Peter seems pretty emotional. I can imagine he's, he's, he's a mess here in tears, broken before Jesus. Jesus, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He cautions him of what it will really mean to serve in the kingdom of God. He says, I tell you the truth, verse 18, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. You will stretch out your hands. Perhaps here in this moment, Jesus is is reminding Peter of that night of betrayal. When Jesus' hands were stretched out and, and he took the shackles, was bound and taken to the high priest. But commentators also point out that, that, well, in later Christian tradition, that language of stretching out your hands isn't merely to, to submit yourself to another's authority, to have your hands stretched out in crucifixion. And John explains it to us, verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter will die crucified on a cross. He had told Jesus, I'll lay down my life for you. But but when he first said it in John 13, he meant in his own strength and power. And as soon as a servant girl points out to him that, well, weren't you with Jesus? Nope. Here's your chance. You want to lay down your life for Jesus? Then just stand up for him. But in his own strength, in his own love for Jesus, he cannot do it. But because he has seen the risen Christ, he becomes a man emboldened by the power of Christ, by the love of Jesus for him, that he is willing to give his life for Jesus, a bold witness for the kingdom. And and this truth, it, it, it goes deep into Peter's life. So that when he shepherds the church, he writes in 1 Peter 4 to warn each one of us about the, about the persecutions we will face. He shepherds us. In 1 Peter 4, verse 14, Peter says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter continues, he says, shepherding us. If you suffer 
it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. The lesson of John 21 takes deep root in Peter's life so that he warns the church to follow after Jesus means to anticipate persecution. We have brothers and sisters in Christ today whose lives are threatened because they believe in Jesus. You and I face rejection for the claims of Christ. And yet, yet John explains to us that the very death of Peter, having his arms stretched out, giving his life as a martyr, will bring glory to God. Because it's Peter saying, wait, that's all you're going to do? You're going to take my life? Well, you know, Jesus, my Savior, stands to welcome me into his kingdom. You can't take that away from me. That every believer who declares Jesus to be Lord pushes back at the threat of persecution and death by declaring, by bringing glory to God. Because Jesus himself has conquered death. It's the risen Christ who commissions Peter. And at the, verse, at the end of verse 19, after John has explained that, that, that verse 18 was to explain the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, that even death itself would bring glory to God, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. That was what Peter was asking for on the night of betrayal. Lord, why can't I follow you now? Peter, because you're not trusting me. You're trusting yourself. Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. But Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And yet now in John 21, Jesus says to Peter again, follow me. It's as if Jesus is saying to him, you will lay down your life for me. But not because you think of your love being so great, because you see that my love is so great. You are welcomed because I, the good shepherd, laid down my life for you. And so find your forgiveness today in me. This hope of forgiveness is extended to you today. It's written down that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, have eternal life in his name. Confess your sins to Jesus. Fall into his loving arms. He will repeat his love for you as many times as it takes to break your heart and turn you back to him. See, the questions of Jesus cut straight to the heart of Peter. He is commissioned to serve in the church and he is called by Jesus and commanded, follow me. Let's bow in prayer. God of grace and glory, we thank you for the ministry of Jesus, our Savior, to Peter. That we might see the depth of your love for him. But Lord, more than that, we thank you for your ministry to us today. That through your word, we hear this same hope of salvation. 
Father, I pray that we would be able to declare our love for Jesus because we understand the depth of his love for us. Lord, give us the faith to believe, to be willing to answer his command, to follow him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.